We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. minutes a day 365 days a year this is the pack a day podcast what's going on everybody welcome back to the pack a day podcast i'm your host andy herman you can follow me on twitter at andy herman nfl thanks so much for joining me today if you have not yet please make sure to hit subscribe i would greatly appreciate it But let's jump into our main topic today, and that is the final breakdown of the draft picks. For those listening on the audio podcast, uh, let me just say I'm sorry that it took so long to get to this. I know we've broken down every other prospect by now about a week or so ago. On the video, we've basically been going through these uh, throughout the course of the last couple weeks. And again, I've been taking my time to really deep dive into each of these prospects that the Packers drafted. And again, I know that a lot of the draft grades that you get are immediate, but I'm really going through these and taking my time and going through all 22 tape and doing as much of a deep dive as I possibly can. So if you haven't had a chance to check out all of the deep dives on all of these Packer rookies, they are all out on my Packaday podcast YouTube channel. And of course, on the audio version, we've had the entire team take deep dives on these players as well. So there is as much information on these rookies for the Packers as you could possibly want. So make sure to check out all of that great content, but let's not waste any more time. Let's jump into Rashid Walker first, and then we'll go over Samori Toure as well. I really like these two picks, especially in the late seventh round. Both of these players have tremendous upside, but let's go over Rashid Walker first. Played left tackle at Penn State. He's 6'5 and a half, 313 pounds, although Green Bay lists him in the 320s. So uh, apparently he put on some weight since the uh, combine or, you know, Green Bay maybe added a couple pounds in his profile there. Who knows? But uh, they list him in the 320s. He's a redshirt junior. He just turned 22 years old, I think, which is an important distinction here. Uh, he didn't have a relative athletic score. He didn't do testing at the combine or pro day, uh, was dealing with some injury issues. So that uh, that is one of the things to sort of keep an eye on, but we don't know exactly how he would have tested athletically, so we can't specifically go over that. But before we go over the positives and negatives that he has on tape, I do just want to mention here, he was Dane Brugler's 10th rated offensive tackle going into the draft, and he gave him a third to fourth round grade. And Dane was far from one of the only draft analysts that had that third to fourth mid-round grade on Rashid Walker. He was definitely a player that was not 
expected to be in the seventh round, much less the late seventh round. And I really just believe that he possessed way too you know high of a value for Green Bay to pass at that point. And again, really, really like this pick for Green Bay. There's definitely a lot of negatives. And I'll just say up front, as I watched him, I'm more with the NFL. I think he was more of a late round prospect. You know, I would say more sixth or seventh round pick than probably third or fourth round, but there's a lot to like here. So let's go into the positives first. He was a team captain at Penn State, which again, I think anytime you can be a a team captain, it just shows that you have some of those leadership traits, probably going to be a good locker room guy. And again, you can never have enough of those guys in your locker room uh, that just, again, possess the leadership traits that you always want. on your team. Also, he's a three-year starting left tackle at a major program, Penn State, right? And he's only 22 years old. So you you take this, you know, three-year starter at Penn State at left tackle, only 22 with NFL size and NFL traits. And like, that's basically like almost no matter what the tape says, right? Because he would have tested well. In my opinion, he would have tested very well at the combine. Again, I I know for a lot of these players, I've said they look the part. He once again, very much looks the part of an NFL offensive lineman. If you could give me a starting left tackle for the last three seasons at a major college program like Penn State, who is a team captain, 22 years old, looks the part of an NFL player and has high-end athleticism, like, I don't even care what the tape says at that point. That is a worthy seventh round draft pick because you just know that there's going to be enough traits to be able to mold in that scenario. So again, I really like this pick for Green Bay, even without some of the other positives that he shows on tape. He's a very clean mover. I, I There's no issues with him. If you want him to pull, if you want him to get out in the screen game, if you want him to get to the second level, his movement skills are more than fine. He needs to control himself a little bit more in those areas. But again, his movement is very, very clean and he's very easy to get to the second level. And he's a really interesting player overall. So as I start watching Rashid Walker, I was sort of expecting him to be, you know, left tackle, more of a finesse player. And I do think ultimately he fits more of that zone blocking scheme. He's not a mauler. He's not like the most intimidating player in the world. But the more you watch him, the more you realize that there is a true physicality to his game. He and he has a lot of players, defenders that he's going against that he gets on the ground game after game, time after time. And it's not just a couple instances. There are multiple instances on tape when you go and watch where he's getting opposing players onto the ground. And this is not a Trevor Penning scenario where he's just constantly, you know, trying to show how tough he is and, you know, just throw players to the ground for the sake of doing it and sort of sacrificing technique in the process. He just is a physical player that has good upper body strength and is within the realm of the game, getting people on the ground. So while I kind of viewed him more as a finesse player, there's definitely a physicality to his game. And again, gets a lot of opposing defenders on the ground by doing that. There's definitely a lot of developmental upside here too. And I do think he has the capability of becoming a starting offensive lineman in the NFL. There's a lot of work to do, and we're going to get to all the negatives in just a moment. But again, this all goes to show exactly what he possesses, right? Three-year starter, Penn State, 22 years old, high-end athletic traits. And the, the big thing I'll say here, there is a lot of inconsistency with Rasheed Walker's tape, but he shows flashes of just about everything. Pass protection, run blocking, movement skills, mirroring, physicality, hand placement. And when he does everything right, when he sort of gets the technique aspects down, and when he actually looks 
like he's you know more competent and put together on some of those plays, he looks like a very good offensive lineman. So when he looks the part, he looks very, very good. There's a lot of times he does not look the part, which we'll get to in more in just a moment. But when you see everything all of a sudden come together, and when you see the game slow down and him work with a little bit more technique, and he gets his footwork and his hand placement, the, the, the opposing defenders are just stymied. And he has the ability to have that physicality and the movement skills. There's just not a ton of players that have that level upside on the offensive line that you're going to find in the seventh round of the NFL draft. Also believe he's a very clean scheme fit for this Matt LaFleur offense. Do believe he's more of a zone blocking defender, uh, offensive tackle or offensive lineman who fit will fit well within Matt LaFleur's offense. And then the other thing, and this was a great quote that Dane Brugler had in his draft guide from his head coach, James Franklin, from last year to this year, this is his quote, quote, from last year to this year, his improvement physically and mentally as a leader is probably as dramatic as any guy I've ever been a part of. This is James Franklin, right? This is not just the you know second year head coach at a small program. This is a coach with a ton of experience. So for him to say that it is probably as dramatic of a leap as any guy he's ever been a part of, that's saying something. And what I take away from that is it shows that he's willing to work and it shows that he has growth potential, right? So this is a player that has the traits, has the skills, has the starting experience, has the frame, has the size, has the athletic ability, and probably possesses the leadership traits as well as the ability to work towards what he wants to accomplish. And that jump that James Franklin talked about shows me that he's willing to put in the time, effort, and energy to become a better player, which leads me to believe he has a better chance of reaching his ceiling in the NFL. So I think that was a very telling quote. And then my last positive note is that he does have pretty solid get off at the line of scrimmage. So there's no lumber. The movement skills are good. I mentioned it before, but you can see that getting off the line of scrimmage as well. The negatives I have for Walker are plentiful and there's plenty that he has to work on. My big question here is Green Bay really values versatility, right? I I actually think that Rashid Walker is probably best at left guard. And I may be alone in that assessment. I know a lot of people really view him as a right tackle. I know some think he could potentially be a left tackle. I view him as a left guard. I think that he struggled enough with speed to the outside specifically go ahead and watch the Ohio State game and you're going to see him get beat off the edge over and over. He also struggles with counters inside. I just think if you could take some of that spacing down and put him more in a you know left guard sort of role, and again, as he, if he is really in the 320s now, I just feel like that might ultimately be a better fit. He's a little bit on the taller side, but you know, so is Elton Jenkins and some of the other Packers offensive linemen on the inside as well. So I, I don't have a huge issue with him you know, looking like a tackle. I do think left guard may ultimately be the best. And if he does pitch into, you know, pinch inside the left guard, I do question if ultimately he has the versatility to play right tackle or left tackle. And if he's not just a true left guard in the NFL. So where he ends up, what position he ultimately plays and whether or not he has versatility is still going to be very much in question. He really struggled with his assignments, his blitz pickups, his stunts. If I was an opposing defensive coordinator, I would be running games and twists and blitzes at him to make sure that he could pick that up before I stopped running those because he showed a real lack of recognition and a real lack of reaction time when reacting to those sort of things. There were times he picked it up great, but there were times where he really struggled with it as well. So that's going to be something that he has to continue to work on. I do think he can play a bit better with balance and have a better center of gravity. 
He will, as I mentioned, be susceptible to an inside counter move as well as an inside rush. You can get bull rushed at times. That's where that balance comes in. And as I mentioned, go watch Ohio State and you can see him get beat off the edge with speed over and over again. My other question here is there is there anything that he's actually really good at at this point? I don't think he's a great run blocker at this point. I don't think he's a great pass blocker at this point. The, the movement skills are really good. He shows some physicality. His technique needs a ton of work. I don't think there's anything that I can point to and be like, that's something he's really good at and you don't have to teach it. He has a lot of work to do to put in from a technique standpoint, and he's probably going to be a couple of years away from being able to contribute at the NFL level. As mentioned, he is a physical player, but he's not a mauler in the run game. He plays completely out of control at times, especially as he's using those movement skills to get to the second level. You'll see him fall off blocks. You'll see him just get sort of out of control and on, you know off balance and not being able to sustain blocks on the second level as well. So he needs to play much better under control. As mentioned, his technique needs a ton of work. You will see him lean. You will see him overextend. His footwork's all over the place. His hand placement's all over the place. Those are all things that you know Adam Stenovich and Luke Butkus and company are going to really have to work with him on. He's had five false start penalties over the last two seasons, and he is coming off a torn meniscus and a bone bruise as well. So he has had some injury issues. Ultimately, I view him as a left guard. I actually think there's some Lane Taylor to his game, which is a good comp. Like if he ended up being a Lane Taylor and you got that in the seventh round, you would more than take that. I think he has more physical upside than Lane Taylor did, but that's sort of the player that I potentially see him as. I ultimately just feel like they had too much upside on him to pass up on him as a seventh round offensive lineman. A lot of work to do, but Adam Stenovich and Luke Butkus have made more with less uh, in their small time in Green Bay so far. So I do think there's a real good chance that he could be a developmental offensive lineman that they get some true return on investment from. And I think learning from guys like Elton Jenkins and David Bakhtiari for a couple seasons is the perfect way to develop this type of player. And I do believe that he can become a true professional, continue his improvement, work on his technique, and really max out his ability. Only 22 years old, there's a lot of growth potential with Rashid Walker. And I like the upside here as a late seventh round pick. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. 
Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. All right, let's jump over to Samori Toure, who oddly enough was the last of the Packers seventh round picks and the last of their draft picks was my favorite of their seventh round draft picks. Really like what Samori Toure put on tape. He's six foot 191, redshirt senior, wide receiver out of Nebraska after playing three years at Montana. He did just turn 24 in March, so he's a little bit of a older player, but not super concerned based on where he's at with his development right now. He played primarily slot at Nebraska, but played primarily outside and wide at Montana. So he's played a little bit all over the place. You love the growth year after year, right? So in 2017 with Montana, 31 receptions, 553 yards. In 2018, 37 for 440. And then he comes back in 2019 with Montana, 87 catches, almost 1,500 yards, 1,495. Um, And then he also had 17.2 yards per catch and six touchdowns uh, at that last season with Montana. And then transfers to Nebraska after taking 2020 off and after graduating, 46 catches, 898 yards, five touchdowns, and five games over 100 yards. Those numbers aren't as good as he had in his last year with Montana, but remember, he's making that transition to playing against Big Ten program. I love that he was still able to put up 19.5 yards per catch, and we'll get into more of that in just a moment as well. Athletically, he tested out as a 61st percentile wide receiver, 59th percentile in height, 41st percentile in weight, only seven reps on the bench, so that was only at the 12th percentile at the position. 49th percentile vert, 80th percentile broad jump, 79th percentile 40-yard dash with a 4440, 66th percentile in the short shuttle, and 89th percentile in the three cone. So good athlete, not great athlete, but no questions that he can still hold up at the NFL level. Let's jump into his positives right away. I love that he has some ability and flexibility to move around, right? So as I mentioned, he played completely on the outside in uh, at Montana, and he played almost not entirely, but probably about 80% of the snaps at Nebraska in the slot. But at Nebraska, they also used him more as a gadget player. You would see some end around some verses. They lined him up in the backfield. They ran wheel routes with him. You would see him on some screens. You would see him on some drag routes. You would see him win deep. Like he just did a little bit of everything. And I do think he has some gadget player sort of flexibility in that regards. He also, as mentioned earlier, 19.5 yards per reception in 2021, 17.2 yards per reception with the Montana Grizzlies in 2019. So he has big play potential. He has multiple games over 100 yards. He has multiple long plays on tape. He shows great acceleration to win deep. And this is a type of player that has the ability... Take the top off the defense might be a little bit strong. He's a 4-4-40 guy, right? So it's not like he's like this 4-2 guy that teams are going to completely be threatened by. But out of the slot, what he can do with his route running and 
really playing with pace. I do think he has the ability to be a playmaker specifically out of the slot and with some of those gadget things, but he showed that he has the ability to win deep over and over again. He showed the ability at a small school, then he took that ability and transferred it to Nebraska in the Big Ten. And then he did it also in the uh, All-Star game as well. I think it was the East-West Shrine game. So he, he did it everywhere. And the, those numbers, that ability to win deep, it, it showed up all over his tape on multiple levels at, again, smaller school, big bigger school, Big Ten, and then in the, the All-Star game as well. Love the fact that he plays with a little bit of swagger. Despite the fact that he only had those seven bench reps, he's not a terrible run blocker. He will, he's an effort blocker, right? He's not going to like blow people off the line or anything like that, but he gives good effort as a run blocker. I also love the fact that he had a, he seemingly, I can't speak to this for sure, but he seemingly had a really great understanding of the Nebraska offense, despite only being there for one year. He was communicating consistently from the slot with his quarterback and what was going on and just seemed like he had a really great grasp of the offense. I thought he had really nice releases off the line of scrimmage and was in a maybe even more than an above average route runner, but at least an above average route runner. He won with acceleration. He run. He won with pacing. He won with route running. He used his eyes and his full body to fake and win with double moves. Just really liked what I saw. And, I, and again, a league that's based on separation for wide receivers, he consistently showed the ability to separate. I almost viewed him I didn't put this in my notes, but like I almost viewed him as like a really poor man's uh, Chris Olave from Ohio State. Like he, he's not quite there with Olave, and Olave has more physical gifts. But like you watch how both players win, and I view him as a, a seventh round Chris Olave that can do some of the same stuff from a separation standpoint. Not the the athlete, not the you know dominant player that Olave was at times with Ohio State consistently, but. I, the similar players in how they win. And I'm, I'm really, really interested to see uh, what Tour is going to do at the NFL level. Uh, there's some smoothness to his route running that I really, really like. He has some real subtle movements to sell fakes and beat corners, shows the ability to pluck the ball out of the air. He knows how to attack corners and get them to open their hips. He shows different releases and different pacing off the line of scrimmage. He attacks corners with speed, which is what I love. It just gives, it makes the corner have less time to react and it just makes them a little bit off kilter. He flashes the ability to win with late hands. Uh, you know, basically, again, something that Devonta Adams was amazing at, but the later you can show your hands, the less likely it is that the defender is going to get their hand in the way and knock away the ball. He showed that, which is something I really, really love. He's a much more polished wide receiver than I ever would have expected as a seventh round pick. He shows great ankle flexion and the ability to juke corners both in route and after the catch, almost like a basketball crossover at times. He has some run after the catch ability. He showed juke moves. He showed spin moves. He showed broken tackle ability. He And then showed winning at all levels, kind of as I mentioned earlier, but he dominated as a small school, then goes to Nebraska. And at Nebraska, he led Nebraska in his one season in receiving, led the Big Ten in yards per catch. He tied the school record with five 100 plus yard receiving games. And that's in one year. So yes, he dominated at a small school. Can you now carry that over to a Big Ten school? He did. And then he also had two touchdowns in the All-Star game as well. So winning at every level, no matter where he went, no matter what game he was in, he found ways to be effective. And then I do also think that he is a great scheme fit within this Matt LaFleur offense. From a negative standpoint, I kept sort of wondering, like, where are the flaws? I kept watching and being like, all right, there's got to be something that's just terrible. 
there is one thing that did definitely show up, and that's his contested catch ability. So in 37 contested catch attempts, he only had 11 catches, which is 29.7%, which is really, really poor. So when tightly covered, which he's going to be tightly covered a lot more in the NFL, he's not just going to easily win with separation. He's basically covered. Like you can't throw to him in those situations. He's not going to go up and out leap you for the ball. He's not going to go out physical you. And he does struggle in some of the physical aspects of the game. As I mentioned, he's a good run blocker because he's an effort blocker, but he's not physical enough to be able to hold up for any real true period of time. He can break some tackles here and there, but that's not the strength of his game. The seven bench reps and just his overall physicality does show up for a lot of these prospects that the Packers have drafted, what have I said over and over and over? They look the part. There's a, a part of Samari Toure that you look at and be like, yeah, he, like he looks like a receiver, but like you're not looking at him being like, yeah, that like he looks like a first round chiseled wide receiver or something. He's not like this fully developed super high-end athlete that's just going to win with pure athleticism, right? But he has nuance and he has you know, a little bit of that artistry to his game that I love out of wide receivers. So not super concerned about it, but contested catches and the physicality is something that definitely is going to hold him back and which really pushed him to the seventh round. He did have 11 drops in his career, but only two this past season at Nebraska. So hopefully it shows that he's improving in that regards. Once again, he's lacking the high end physical traits. I do wonder if he's going to be limited to more of a slot role in the NFL and if he ever really succeeds on the outside. It's, I'm not betting against him in that regards, but I do think he may end up filling more of that slot role, which does become a bit of an issue when you already have a Randall Cobb and an Amari Rogers. Alan Lazard plays in the slot. You need those guys to win on the outside as well. I do question that. He is 24 years old, so he's going to have a little bit more limited upside and you know where he's still going to grow. He struggled with press coverage. There's, again, those physical aspects of the game that he's just not going to be super great at because of his frame and because of his build. And he does have extremely limited special teams experience as well. So overall, I think you can tell by the positives and really the lack of overall negatives. I really like this pick. In fact, it might be the second straight season where the late seventh round pick was actually like my favorite of the draft. Kylan Hill a season ago, Samari Toure this year really like both of these picks. And to me, there's no reason that either should have been late seventh round picks completely blows my mind. I think the ultimate reason why here is you're taking a player that could be limited to slot wide receiver and has limited special teams upside and isn't a high, or like I should say limited special teams experience, extremely limited special teams experience, and doesn't have super high end athletic traits. And what that means is as you start you know, sort of putting a 53-man roster together and you're taking a late round wide receiver, what's their avenue and path to making the team, right? It has to be special teams. Well, he doesn't have really true special teams experience. So then like you have to have versatility. Well, he has a little bit, but he may project as a slot wide receiver, which just has a little bit less value overall than a wide receiver who can play multiple positions or who could be an outside wide receiver, especially when you've already got a Randall Cobb and an Amari Rogers on the roster. So I do think that's ultimately why he fell. He's going to have to figure out his route to the 53, which means he's going to have to show up on special teams, which is going to mean he's going to have to show that he can win at wide receiver, ideally on the outside, or at least be a really good slot wide receiver. But that's ultimately why I think he fell to this part of the draft in the seventh round. But I already started to love what I saw at minicamp. To me, he looked the part at as a slot wide receiver. 
And I think he can really challenge potentially Amari Rogers. Uh, first, if if, Ara- if Amari doesn't take s- like a significant step, I think Toure can already start putting pressure on Amari Rogers. You know, even in Rogers being in year two and Toure being in year one, and even Rogers being a third round pick that they traded up for and Toure being a late seventh. I think Amari is going to really have to perform to hold off some of these guys. I think Amari earns his spot no matter what, but that is definitely, definitely something that, uh, again, Amari is going to have to prove after coming off a poor season. But ultimately, that's why I think Toure fell is because he may project just as a slot that doesn't have a ton of special teams value, nor the high athletic upside. And ultimately, that's why you end up as a late seventh round pick, right? But love, love, love the pick. And I really do believe that he's going to have a chance to stick with the Green Bay Packers. That is going to do it for me today. Thank you so much for joining me. Really appreciate it. As I mentioned, please make sure to subscribe if you haven't already. But until next time, and as always, Go Pack Go!